Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I want you just to, as you're standing, uh, turn your Bibles with me this morning. One of the things that, uh, that we're, um, we've been speaking on the aspect of knowing your purpose in life. And so today we're going to be finishing up our series of messages on uh, your purpose. And so as you turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, we're going to start reading in verse 17, John 17, 17. And as you're turning there this morning, we've gone over four of the five purposes that we were created for. And today we're going to go over the last purpose that you were designed for by God, how God has put you together, uh, designed you for a specific purpose. John 17, verse 17 says this, in the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them, I give them a mission in the world. Let me read that again. In the same way Jesus is speaking, in the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand this. Last week we talked about the fourth of the fifth of the five purposes that we were created for. And last week I told you that you were created for ministry. But what's the difference between my mission and my ministry? Your ministry is for the church. Your mission is for the world. Your, your ministry is for the believer. Your mission is for the unbeliever. And so every one of us has a ministry, but also every one of us has a mission. Everyone say mission. mission. In fact, turn to three people around you until I was created for a mission. At least three people. There you go. There you go. Tap them if you have to. Get their, get their attention. I want you to notice this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, in it says this in the New Century Version. It says, the most important thing that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. What the Apostle, Apostle Paul is saying, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. There are going to be many of us on Judgment Day that are going to stand before God. And although you ran a, a successful business, you didn't fulfill your purpose. Many of us are going to stand before God. Some of you that were supposed to be in ministry that started a business. Some of you that are in ministry that were supposed to start a business. And many of us are going to find ourselves when we stand before God. God gave a certain assignment for the amount of people that we were supposed to reach and to bring into the kingdom of heaven. But because we decided to build our own kingdom rather than the kingdom of heaven, we're going to find out that there's going to be empty. Heaven's going to be emptier because we didn't fulfill our purpose. See, my question to you this morning is this. How many people are going to be in heaven because of you? We get so caught up in just getting to heaven. I know growing up, I was so focused in on just do, making sure that on Sunday morning I got saved. Sunday night, I was on the verge of backsliding. Monday, I didn't know who God was. By Friday, I was begging God, please don't come this week because I'm lost. And Sunday morning would come all over again and I'd rededicate my life to the Lord and find myself back in that same cycle. Come on, somebody. Someone knows what I'm talking about. 
And you can't make a difference when you're just trying to survive. You can't make an impact where you're just trying to get by in life. So if the enemy doesn't mind you coming to church, he just doesn't want you to find your mission in life. So purpose number one, we said that you were created for God's pleasure. That's what we call worship. That you were formed for God's family. That's what we call becoming a member, becoming part of God's family. Number three, that you were created to become like Christ. So I want you to understand this. You were created to believe. You were created to belong. And you were created to become like Christ. Every one of us has a purpose. There's something that God is building in us. And last week I shared with you that we were shaped. Every one of you has a design, spiritual abilities, your heart, your, your uh, abilities, your personal abilities, your passions, as well as your experience help shape you to become who God called you to be. Now today, I want you to understand that you have been created for a mission. Ever see Mission Impossible? Now, I'm not just talking the movies. I'm talking like the early day Mission Impossible television show where this, this uh, mission, should you choose to accept it, will self-destruct in five seconds. And he has to make a decision. Is he going to take this mission? I want you to know that God created each and every one of you with a mission. And should you choose to accept it, instead of the message burning up, someone's life doesn't have to burn up. I want you to see your mission is two parts. Everyone say two parts. Number one, part one, God expects me to bring people to Jesus. And part two is God expects me to go find people for Jesus. So it's twofold that we have a responsibility here. And and I want you to understand that when you die, there's only two things you're going to take with you when you die. Number one. Your character. Who you became on earth. How you became to look more like Christ. The second thing is the people you led to Jesus. The boat won't be going with you to heaven. The house, the money, the cars, even your family won't be there with you at that moment. Only those that you've impacted, that you've touched, that you've led to Jesus. I don't want to just stand in heaven. I want to look and see my daughters in heaven. I want to see my grandson in heaven. I want to see each and every one of you and your families when I stand before God. I want to be able to say, God, all present and accounted for all, everyone that you gave us in responsibility, every one of those families, every one of their children, every one of their, their cousins, every one of their aunts and uncles that you placed under our care, God, every one of them has shown up in heaven. Every one that was supposed to be here, we brought to you. I don't want to get to heaven and God said, hey, where's the other 100,000 people I expected you to touch? God didn't call us just to comfort So who's going to be in heaven, not with you, but because of you? I want you to think about that. It's not about you just getting to heaven. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Second Timothy chapter four, he says this, verse five, work at bringing others to Christ. Work at it. 
Another version puts it this way. Do the work of an evangelist. Every one of us has a responsibility to share our message, our story, our testimony with someone. Every one of us. This is, listen, I need you to understand. I'm not just talking about your purpose. I'm talking about the destiny of lives of people that it's either heaven or hell. We're talking that for eternity. If they miss out on knowing who Jesus is, there is a place called hell. There is a place where the fire does not die. There is a place that will go on for eternity when you are separated from God. This is a life or death moment. This is something so important. It's not about you just coming to church. It's about transforming the eternity of someone else's life. I don't want to offend you. I'm religious, but I, I don't want to be radical. So we love people to hell. Don't want to step on your toes, so we just... Let people go into eternity without ever knowing who God was or is. See, how do we share Christ with people that not only that we don't know, but that we do know? I I think part of the key is simply this, and we'll we'll read the scripture in a second, but it's finding common ground. For for those of you business people in here that, that, that have started business that's based on recruiting, you found that common ground is the, is the, the, the anchor, the net that gets you to the, the ability to reach out to people. What am I telling you? Common ground, your hobbies, your sports teams that you like, your different sports, the interests, the businesses that you're into, your kids. Oh, you got kids. I got kids. Or life journeys. Man, I went to college. What college did you go to? You know what? I, I, I belong to this club. I belong to that club. You know, past pains. Yeah, you know, I lost my spouse. I lost a loved one. I lost a child. When we have common ground, it has the ability to bridge uh, thing areas in our life that normally we wouldn't be able to talk to other people about. You have the same goals, the same passions, the same struggles or you have a crusade to to end homelessness or to end hunger. It's easy to partner with other people. I love what T.D. Jake says. He says, in every one of our lives, we have friends for a reason, a season, and those for a lifetime. Every one of us are going to have some people that will come connect to you based on the reason, the things that you're fighting, the enemies that you're fighting. Then you have seasonal friends that are there while you're in high school, in elementary school, in college, and then you lose track of them after a while. But then you have those friends that are there in your life for a lifetime. We have a responsibility to make sure that we're sharing Jesus with all three of those categories of people that come into our life. Why? Because it opens up dialogue. First Corinthians 922 puts it this way. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground. Everyone say common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Listen, you're not the one that saves anyone. God does. All you're responsible to do is to share Jesus with people. And if you're, you're anything like me, if you're an introvert, you have a hard time going up to strangers or even family and friends and talking about certain things like this. I want to encourage you that on Easter Sunday, you don't even have to worry. All you have to do is invite someone. All you have to do is get someone here. That E1000, we're believing to break a thousand mark that day, not just because we want to get people in the church. We want to get people out of hell and we want to populate heaven. That's our mission. That's our call. That's the thing 
that God has called each and every one of us to do. And we're even doing this with the kids. We're having the kids take eggs with an invitation inside of it. And we're calling them egg invitations. And they're going to go out and invite their kid, their friends to come out on Easter Sunday. And if they come out on Easter Sunday, they're going to get a band. If they go to class, they'll get a band and they'll be able to start the Easter egg hunt before all the other kids in the community come out. Why? We want them to come in. We want them to get to class. We want them to know Jesus. It's not about an egg. It's not about a bunny. But I will use whatever is necessary to lead people to Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. Speaking of which, we need candy. We need you to start bringing in candy right away. Uh, we're, 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 we're like 12 weeks away from Easter, but we are on a full out. Uh, we are prepared for this. We want to be ahead of the game. And I also want to encourage you uh, on this. Some of you, I'm going to challenge you to take Good Friday off of work. Talk to your boss and get Good Friday off. And then join us at 1030 in Milpitas and walk with us through the Passion Parade where we walk with Christ in the cross and we let the, the, everyone in Milpitas know who Jesus is and we walk and then we have the Good Friday service at the Milpitas campus. If you can't make that one, then join us that evening at 5 o'clock at, over here on the corner of White Road and Story Road, right where uh, 31 Flavors is. You can get an ice cream and then you can do the Passion Parade with us. And then we stop right here in front of Mount Pleasant High School and we take communion with the cross right Right there, right out in public, and we just honor the name of Jesus. I want my goal is to get over a hundred people in that walk this year. I want as cars to drive by to get get an idea that how much Jesus loves you, how much Jesus went to extreme crazy lengths. In fact, our theme for Easter this year is scandalous, a scandalous kind of love that Jesus loved us so ridiculously, so scandalously that it literally is going to cause people to shake their heads to wonder just how crazy God is about you. Someone say amen. amen. So I want you to understand someone gave me this shirt a couple weeks ago, said God plan, God has a plan or, or God's plan. And it works so perfect because in my message today, it talks about God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has orchestrated every detail of your life. Some of you are feeling a little uncomfortable because religion is something that should be between you and God. It's something private. You don't want to you want to cause an argument, talk about politics or talk about religion at a family function. But listen, you got to love people enough to share with them the truth. It doesn't, whoever gets the presidency, I'm still going to live where I live. I'm still going to do the job I'm called to. But if someone misses heaven, that affects their eternity. We, We have a responsibility to share Christ with everyone. Mark 16 verse 15 puts it this way. This is God, God's plan for us. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to So go and tell, go, tell, go, tell. That's what God is telling us. Go everywhere and tell everyone. That's the mandate that's on our our lives today. And God not only has a plan, but God has a strategy for how this is supposed to take place. A blueprint. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this is what what God gives to the disciples. He says, but you will receive power. Someone say power. power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me break this down for you because you have to know biblical geography to understand what Jesus is saying. What literally what Jesus is saying is this. You're, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. You will speak about what I've done in San Jose, in California, throughout the United States and throughout the whole world. That, that's what Judea is. Jerusalem is the city. Judea is the nation. Samaria is a, a nation connected to them. And then throughout the whole world, God is literally telling us and giving us a breakdown. Jerusalem is your family. Before we start reaching out to the nations, have you even ministered to your own family? Does your own family know about Jesus? Do your own kids, do your husband, to those in your family, in your immediate, do they know about Christ? We want to go out to Samaria and you haven't even taken care of Jerusalem yet. Every one of us has a Jerusalem and my Jerusalem is my home, my kids, my family, the people in my community. I have to start at home. I have to start in San Jose. It's great to send money to Africa, to send money to missionaries. But we have a responsibility here at home to evangelize, to touch, to transform, to minister, to reach out. That's why on East, this Easter, we are sending out over 15,000 flyers just to this area. And the people of this zip code, we are going to reach our Jerusalem in 2020. We're going to reach out to our Jerusalem and minister the gospel of Christ. Come on, somebody. Then he says, Judea, Judea is your region. It's not your home. It's your region. It's a place that your home sits in. That's your your job. It's your school. It's your community. It's the clubs that you belong to, whatever area of influence that you have. It's the gym you work out in. It's the place where you go and wash your car. It's the grocery store where you get your groceries at. It's the, it's the person behind the, the counter, your barista that you see every morning. Each, each and every one of them. We got to start seeing people through the lenses, not as unbelievers, but as the lenses of potential believers. Come on, somebody say Amen. Number three, he says, Samaria, culturally different people, but live in the same area. They, they were a totally, they, in fact, the Jews, if you were a Jew, you hated the Samaritans because you used to be one. Find out that story later, but they, they, they used to be one nation. But when the ten, 10 of the 12 tribes split from the 12, they became Samaria. They were family, but they broke away. We have a responsibility even to reach out to our enemies with the love of God. We have a responsibility to love God and share the love of God with others. Then he says to the ends of the earth, everyone else, everyone else we come. You may never go overseas, but you have the ability to walk across the street and share Jesus with someone that lives in your neighborhood. Come on, somebody. Going and bringing is what God's called us to do. Go and bring them. Go and bring them. Go and bring them. If you are a believer in Christ, this is your mandate. And you know what? Every one of you in here has a phenomenal story. An incredible story of how God touched your life. Of what God did in your life. You don't even have to get into theology. Just share your story. Share what God did for you. How God impacted your life. Because no one can argue what God did for you. 
You don't have to get into an argument of theology. But when you when I see someone that was incarcerated, that lived their lives in, in, in addictions and now being free and now has a family, owns a home, has is involved in a business. When I see those kind of things, I know that God exists. I can't look at lives that have been transformed and see how God's totally radically changed their lives. And they've gone from being addicted to being uh, locked up to now being free, to being business owners, to go from living life in prison to now having your own family back to, to finding a business, having your own business. That's the power of who God is. So what's our motivation? Luke chapter 12, verse 48 puts it this way from the Living Bible. Much is required for those whom much is given. Their responsibility is greater. Let, let, let me just say this to you. You're going to be sorry you came this morning. Trust me. Because the reality is, as long as you were ignorant to this fact, then you, you might have been okay. But now you're not ignorant to it anymore. You have a responsibility to share Jesus with others. It's not only God expects more from you because he's given more to you. You're praying for more, but the more you get, the more responsible you become for what you get. The more wisdom in Christ, the more the more touch, the more breakthroughs, the more the, the more miracles you've seen in your life. You have a responsibility now. God expects more from you. First Peter, chapter four, verse 10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Whatever God gave you, he's given you to use to touch other lives, to use whatever gifts God gave you to, to bridge the gap. It is your responsibility. Come on, say that with me. It's my responsibility. The, 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 the well-being of the earth, the well-being of every human life is your responsibility. So if the enemy can keep you busy just trying to survive, then you'll end up missing out on touching the lives that you're responsible for touching. Let me just keep you in survival mode. Let me just keep you in just trying to get by mode. Just, just get up in the morning, just kind of feeling, uh, let me just, you're not worried about touching any life, encouraging anyone else, pushing anyone else, because you're just trying to make it. That's not what God called you to do. We share Christ with others because of history's inevitability. Let, let, me, let me explain it to you. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 26 says this. I have a plan for the whole earth. Come on, somebody. God's plan. I have a plan for the whole earth, the hand of judgment upon all nations. The Lord of the heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? Judgment's coming, church. There will be a time of judgment. It's not a popular message. We want to focus in on the love of God, but judgment will come. There is an end to all of this. And one day we will stand before God and give an account for what we did in our time on earth. What we did with our resources, what we did with our, our callings, what we did with our abilities, everything God blessed you with. What did you do? Because success is not what you've accomplished. Success is what you've accomplished according to what you should have accomplished. I can't judge myself to someone else. Because they have a different level of skill, abilities, or talents. Each one of us is responsible to carry out the task God gave to us. Amen. Matthew 24 verse 14 puts it this way. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world 
so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. There is something called an end. The very fact that there's a beginning means that there's an end. And God's already determined how it looks at the end. And I want to be on the right side of history when that end comes. I want to make sure that I invested into the right things when that time comes. I want to make sure that I did what I was supposed to do when that time comes. I want to stand before God and know that I fulfilled my purpose. I, uh, I reached the pre people I was responsible for reaching. I loved the ones I was responsible for loving. I encouraged those that I was responsible for encouraging. I don't want to just die. I want to die empty. Thank, thank you, three of you, this morning. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren points out that there's five global giants that we as a nation, as a world, not just a nation, a world are facing. He identifies, number one, spiritual emptiness. The, the world is spiritually bankrupt. The, the more, there's more, a moral bankruptcy going on in the world. Number two, self-centered leadership. People that God placed there to lead the people are more concerned about them, their, their well-being than they're concerned about the people. People are no longer leading for the good of the people or the nation. They're leading based on what's good for them and their interests. Number three is poverty. Everywhere we look, we see poverty today. We live in the richest city in the world, the Silicon Valley, the most expensive place to live. And yet we can't drive down the street without seeing poverty to the left, to the right. You drive down the street, you see people living in trees. You see people living in the bushes, people hiding out. People are struggling. And in this day and age, there should be no poverty. No one should go to bed hungry. No child should lay their heads down in dirt when there's plenty of beds throughout the world. We have a responsibility not just here in the Silicon Valley, but throughout the world to touch. And I just want to say to Joseph how much we appreciate you. We love you. Welcome back after serving your time in Africa uh, for the military. But not only did he just go there to serve his time, he, in conjunction with... It's just so amazing, just so amazing in conjunction, not with OCC, but the way you stepped up there to make this happen. 200 boxes of gifts to the kids, uh, mattresses that Joseph got for the orphanage. Just a just a blessing, because that's what we've been created to do. Solve the problems in this world. Number four, disease man. How many, just by a show of hands, how many have had cancer steal a loved one from you? Heart disease. Any disease. Sickness. We're, we're seeing in, in, at a time that we are so technologically advanced, disease is still a step ahead of us. The coronavirus. Has people freaked out? And number five, illiteracy. We live in an age where there is no lack of information. 
yet we live in an illiterate age. How can we operate in the information boom, but still have people that are illiterate? Education is so important. So what do we do as a church to combat these things? What do we do as a people to walk in the mission that God gave us to the world? You see, not only is the answer sharing Jesus, but we have a responsibility to be the, re the, the remedy to the problem that the earth is facing today. It's not just receive Jesus, but if you're hungry, let me give you something to eat. If you're thirsty, let me give you something to drink. If you're cold, let me give you a blanket. There's, there's something that goes along with it. So the church, what do we do for spiritual emptiness? We got to start planning more churches, new campuses that we could begin to reach out to people and share the gospel of Christ with those that haven't heard yet. In regards to spiritual leadership, we got to start equipping servant leaders, not leaders that are going to serve themselves, but leaders that are going to serve the people that we raise up and start helping the poor, that we start coming up. You take a look. The first welfare system was the church. The church took care of the people. The church took care of the issues. The church rose up and met the needs. If there was a widow, the church took care of the widows. Number five, disease. You take a look at all these hospitals throughout the world. St. Joseph, St. Andrews. All of these are church organizations, Methodist hospital. It's because the church recognized that we had a responsibility to remedy disease. Hospitals were started by the church. Anyone hearing me? Yes. And number five, illiteracy. We have to educate the next generation. Second Peter 3, 9 puts it this way. He does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. Mark 3, 35 puts it this way in the Living Bible only those who throw away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news will ever know what it really means to live. So the worship team comes to help me as we close this morning. I, I can't share the, the gravity of this situation any, any deeper. But someone's eternity is dependent on you. Hey, Pastor, I'm just trying to get by right now. Hey, it's just my first week, first week here. <laughs> I just walked into this place. <laughs> and you're telling me that someone's going to go to hell if it's not for me? Because there's only certain people that you could reach. And that before the foundations of the earth, God placed you as the remedy to that problem. You are the hope that only you can give to your family. You're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. You're the only Bible that some people will ever read. Only thing that some people know about Jesus is who you are. We have a responsibility. I want to ask you this as I close this morning. Who can you reach? 
Who are you responsible for reaching? So I don't even have to say that for a moment. And some of you, you already got the pictures of their mind. You go, that person needs Jesus. <laughs> that person really needs Jesus. <laughs> and some of you thought about a person like, oh, that person will never come to Jesus. That's what we said about Kanye. When Kanye was calling himself Jesus. Some people were like, man, that boy needs Jesus. God is right now, I believe we're on the verge of the greatest awakening that we have ever seen. We're going to see prodigals come home. We're going to see people that you never thought would ever mention the name of Jesus start serving God. I want to stir up hope in your heart right now for you to begin to start looking through the lenses of faith to start seeing that that very person that you think is so vile and is beyond salvation or repair, that's the very person God wants to use to raise up and become a modern day Paul to begin to share the gospel of Christ and start transitioning hearts and lives to the king but they need can't have an apostle Paul without an Ananias that goes and prays for Paul when God told Ananias to go pray for Paul who was blinded Ananias is like God do you know who this dude is it's pretty cool when you have to tell God what's going on God, do you know who this person is? This guy's been killing Christians all over Asia. And you want me to go pray for him? God says, chill. This guy's going to speak on my behalf. He's going to cause an awakening like you've never seen before. Everyone attributes the greatness of Paul. But had it not been for Ananias, we'd never know who this man was. Now look around this room. You might not be a Paul, but you might be an Ananias today. You might be the one that is just one step of obedience away from causing the greatest awakening the United States has ever seen. The time for silence is over. And we, we can tell people about our team. Go Niners, go Raiders, go this, go that. We have no problem driving with our flags for our teams, bumper stickers. What about the one that died on the cross so that you could live? What about being unashamed for him? Stand to your feet this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.